Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. On August 1st, 1966, a sniper rode the elevator to the top floor of the University of Texas Tower and opened fire, holding a campus hostage for 96 minutes. When the gunshots were finally silenced, a toll of, that included 16 dead, three dozen wounded, and a shaken nation of trying to understand. Combining archival footage with rotoscoped animation in a dynamic, never-before-seen way, Tower reveals the action-packed, untold stories of witnesses, heroes, and survivors of America's first mass shooting, when one of the worst in man brought out the best in so many others. We are joined today by the director of this wonderful documentary, Tower, and that would be Keith Maitland. Keith, welcome to Film School. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, thank you. Again, it's a wonderful documentary. Uh, for a lot of uh, people, this is truly ancient history. Uh, it happened a, now 50 years ago. So what was it that drew you to this particular um, tragedy in American history? Well, I grew up in Texas. And so the story of the tower shooting is a story that you kind of heard bits and pieces of growing up here. But it wasn't very directly dealt with. Um, it's not taught in Texas history textbooks, which is something all 12-year-olds and 7th graders in Texas take. Um, it wasn't taught on the campus of the University of Texas where I went to school. So I knew about the shooting going into my freshman year of college, and I just expected to learn about it um, and didn't. And so that only fed my curiosity. And over the years, I would uh, do a little bit of research here and there, and everything I found was about the sniper. Um, why did he do it? What were his motivations? Mm -hmm. But I never found um, any compelling histories that told the story of what it was to be on the ground that day and that, uh, that gave me an opportunity to understand how this college campus that I was growing to love, um, you know, what was it like when it turned into a war zone for one afternoon 50 years ago? And so that's, that's what drew me uh, to the story, um, and, this, you know, this is a story that kind of I've been curious about really since, since I was a kid. Um, so 10 years ago, there was an article in Texas Monthly, which is a really great magazine, and it was an oral history of that day from the point of view of about a dozen people on the ground. And when I read that article, it was kind of a light bulb moment for me to see what it was really like and... Um, and I decided to make the film that day. Were, were the people that were in the article, were those the people you started to approach about being a part of this? Um, well, yeah, the film focuses on eight people, right. and four of them were in the article. Okay. And, uh, but yes, that is exactly where I started. I optioned the article, and I, I actually took the writer of the article out to lunch. Um, she, uh, she's a really incredible um, journalist named Pamela Koloff. And in all, uh, you know, in all honesty, my, my wife is a photographer who shoots for Texas Monthly. Mm -hmm. So I know Pam. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and Pam had worked together through the years. And, um, and so I took Pam out to lunch and I said, I really want to make a film based on the work that you started here in this article 
um, and I want it to be animated, and um, and I think it could be really good. Well, I, I want to get to that that choice of animation, which I think works beautifully for this. Assume you then, through Pam, you started to contact some of the people in the article. What was the sort of, uh, you know, what was that like for you and for them to, to reach out and say, I really am interested in doing a film on your experiences that day? You know, it's always nervous. Uh, it makes me nervous. It's a little nerve-wracking to reach out to somebody out of the blue and say, um, hey, I want to talk about the worst possible day of your life, and I want to make a movie about it. Um, and so having Pam on board from an early um, stage and, and really having kind of the, uh, the stamp of approval of Texas Monthly um, you know, through the option process made that a little bit easier, but I still realized you know, I was going to need to um, make a connection with these people myself um, as a you know, as a filmmaker, especially you know, working in nonfiction, that connection with the subject I think is so important. Um, it really comes across in the film uh, to me. Any film, when the filmmaker and the subject get each other, and there's there's a real um, you know dynamic relationship there, mm-hmm. it allows for a dynamic relationship between the audience. And, and what's on the screen. And that's ultimately what's most important. So, um, so yeah, I was nervous reaching out to Claire. She was the first one I called. She was an 18-year-old pregnant woman yeah. um, on August 1st, 1966. She was eight months pregnant. And she was the first person shot from the tower when the sniper was out on the observation deck of the tower. She was shot through the abdomen, um, fell to the ground. Her boyfriend was with her. He was shot in the neck. And pretty much immediately, um, she realized that her boyfriend, Tom, was dead, and um, she assumed that her baby was too. And that story had come across in Pam's article, and I just so immediately um, related to Claire. Um, and, uh, and as I did some research, I learned that so did so many other people, because the place that she fell on campus and where she lay exposed for the entirety of the shooting, which was over an hour and a half, um, was really the central point in uh, the campus. So there were hundreds, if not thousands, of witnesses who were looking out of windows of classrooms and hiding behind trees and hiding behind walls and hedges. And the two things everyone could see on that part of campus were the top of the tower with the clock ticking away and the pregnant woman lying in the center of it all. Right. So reaching out to Claire was really important. So she is really the kind of, in many ways, the uh, sort of an emotional focal point for the film. A lot of things kind of uh, feed off of her experience uh, and what happened to her. Um, did did the hesitancy? I want to go back to something we talked about a little bit before. Was the hesitancy on the part of the university to get into explaining the the events of that day? It, was there a fear that it sort of fed into a, a sort of a, another narrative about Texas and about the experience of uh, tragedy uh, involving other shootings in the state? Do you think that was a, sort of a part of the impact of why no one, or it's just the sheer horror of it all, no one really wanted to talk about it anymore? You know, I think um, it was a different time, and it was a different generation of administrators the, uh, and authority figures, the people who actually made the decisions about stuff like that. But um, 
I have a hard time relating to it. You know, I know that that, that people were more stoic. Um, you know, people who came out of the Depression and World War II. Um, those are the the age of the people who were running the show in '66. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and you know, there's that kind of famous British poster, "Keep Calm and Carry On." Mm-hmm. I don't know if if that was the guiding force, or if it was something more along the lines of some shame um, that that this had happened. Um, and if there was, you know, an attempt to kind of cover up uh, elements that would have drawn more negative attention that was already being given to uh, to the university uh, and to the state of Texas. Yeah. You know, um, we talked a little bit offline about the fact that just three years before this was the Kennedy assassination. And that really painted a picture in people's minds of what it was, um, what Texas was. And it wasn't a pretty picture. Um and I think people were fearful that uh, that this only, you know, compounded that. Yeah. And so the idea of, of moving forward, putting this behind us, cleaning it up, and getting back to the business of educating um, kids, uh, you know, and, and, and winning football games, um, you know, that's, that's, I think, what the mindset was. Yeah. Now, but I took issue with that, you know, because for me – this is a major trauma. It's a, it's a trauma that, that, that obviously impacted the individuals in the film, but it's a trauma that impacted the entire community. And I went to school in the 90s, you know, 30 years after the shooting, and I could feel this open wound on the community that I was becoming a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, by failing to talk about it and by failing to acknowledge it, um, there was not an opportunity to heal from it. Um, and so there will always be scars when you have a wound like this, but until the, until the wound has an opportunity to heal, those scars can't, you know, solidify. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that was a big part of the reason I wanted to make the film. Um, and, and it was also something that came out of making the film, um, you know, a catharsis here uh, for the people involved and, uh, and here in our community. I live in Austin. Yeah, and I want to I want to address that sort of a from a personal point of view. My own perspective on this is that, in fact, I think you're right. I think for me, this did feed a narrative about Texas and this sort of wild west and the sort of it fed a, a narrative that they it was just crazy. These people are nuts. They you know God knows what they're capable of. And and every there's sort of these events come to define uh, different parts of the country communities for a long long time, and. And I think some of that is because it wasn't dealt with as it, in the way that I, you're describing. This, the fact that they just sort of the, the move forward, let's you know, be stoic and uh, these kinds of things, have the that impact on people. They don't. It's not like they forget it happened. It just sort of begins to feed a narrative about a particular community that it, that never goes away. But and I'm curious. Just you, you alluded to it. Um, the the reaction to the film I, I have to tell you also when i saw this come up on my radar as far as the film and 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 coming out i rem, i i sort of had a visceral reaction to is oh my god i don't I, it's going to be hard to revisit that it's going to be really difficult to watch this film that's not the case by the way I, the way that you approached it how you went about bringing the the victims of the shooting involved and also law enforcement in their attempts to to get to the shooter all of that stuff was it's really quite 
Right. Remarkable. You're quite right to say it is a healing way of approaching this particular incident. So um, I think you're right. I, 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 I agree with you. I think by not talking about it, it just sort of leaves it out there and people continue to think of it in the terms of what the worst possible way is. And you've refocused the attention on the people who really did some amazing things that day. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, I, I recognize that it was, uh, you know, a challenging subject matter. And it's still a challenge to get people to watch the film, um, you know, because of that. But what we discovered in our research and in meeting these wonderful subjects is that there's a true story of um, heroism, of bravery, and of hopefulness, um, you know. Uh, yeah. And so out of the darkness comes the light, you know, that sort of yeah. um and that's not something we set out. It wasn't my goal from the very beginning. Like, I want to make a film that 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 creates that narrative. Yeah. It was it was the reality as as we researched and as we talked to people. Um, and so, it became something that we chose um, to highlight. And uh, yeah. and it's because we want people to see these sorts of stories in a different way. Yeah. And I want people to have a conversation. We're speaking with uh, Keith Maitland. He's the director of the new documentary, Tower. It's out in theaters now. You can go to towerdocumentary.com to find out more about the film and about the screenings. It's also a Facebook page, facebook.com slash towerdocumentary to find out more about the film. And uh, the reaction, the reaction I'm sure, has been uh, absolutely fantastic to the film. Uh, the reviews have been amazing. I you think you're at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, if that matters. Some people care about that. But it just, it, the fact is, is it's been um, embraced in, uh, in so many positive ways. And uh, you've got to feel, uh, like you said, you know, this sort of was your, some part of your mission in making this movie was to, to, uh, to let people know that there were a lot of people in, in that, on that day that did some amazing things for those people that were, had been um, injured and, and uh, quite a remarkable story in that regard. The, uh, the amount of footage that you had, I want to also compliment you on it. it there wasn't a, probably a tremendous amount of archival footage surrounding this event. Um, you did an amazing job with what you had. And then also the animation, the rotoscoping of, the, of this. Uh, what went into the decision to do that with the reenactments that you, were, that you had? Well, it was, um, that was something that was really the idea from the outset. And it was while I was reading the article I mentioned earlier, you know, because the article was an oral history, it read um, as these great first-person perspectives. And in those first-person perspectives, um, there was all this incredible geography of the college campus. You know, the University of Texas um, takes up, you know, over five city blocks. And um, and so people would describe their story uh, because the shooting lasted so long. People would say, I started in the student union and then I ran out the west door and I ran around the base of the tower where I knew I'd be safe. And I ended up over under the statue of Woodrow Wilson. Well, those places don't necessarily mean anything to most of your listeners. But to me, as somebody who went to that school, I knew exactly where they were and I was picturing it in my mind. Um, and it was so visceral to imagine people dodging bullets, um, rescuing other people, um, lying there in the hot sun in these places that I knew intimately. And so because I'm a 
filmmaker and I'm a visual person, I couldn't help but imagine um, those locations. But I'm also, you know, a pragmatic producer, and I recognized kind of uh, from my deep knowledge just of the story in general that the university would never allow us to film recreations on campus. Um, there was a, a really terrible TV movie made in the 70s called The Deadly Tower starring Kurt Russell um, as the sniper. It's horrible. Um, it's widely available on YouTube. And Kurt, if you're listening, your performance was great, um, but the, the film itself does not stand up. And the, to be honest with you, besides the gross inaccuracies uh, of it, the part that bothers me the most about it was that it wasn't filmed on the campus of the University of Texas. It was filmed uh, at the state capitol uh, in Louisiana, um, where there is also a tower. It doesn't resemble our tower, and the grounds don't look like our grounds. And so it's, what I realized about that film was the people who were the very closest to the story, the thousands of eyewitnesses who were on campus that day and the half a million living Longhorns, people who, who you know, passed through the campus doors there, um, they couldn't recognize this story, and they're the people who need the story the most. And so I just knew the university is not going to let us shoot this thing, and I can't help but picture these places. Um, it was kind of a – that all came together all at once as this needs to be animated. And through the magic of rotoscoping, I knew that we could um, film actors portraying these recreations in almost any setting and then composite in the backgrounds um, that matched. Yeah. Um, now, that's a complicated process. You know, um, and it was made even more complicated by my insistence on shooting the entire film handheld um, because I wanted it to feel very much, um, you know, the chaos of that day and the, and the kind of, you know, perspective of someone on the ground, um, you know, making split-second decisions and, you know, running left and right. And, and so, um, you know, there's a version of, there's a way to do it where we would have shot everything on locked off cameras in a green screen studio mm -hmm. and very neatly composited in foregrounds and backgrounds, and then maybe added some handheld camera shake in post. But, uh, but that isn't the approach we took. We had a much rougher and dirtier <laughs> approach where we shot most of the film in my backyard in East Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and we didn't use green screens because we don't, we don't need them in rotoscoping. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then after we shot the foreground shots, you know, uh, we always use kind of references, um, eyeline references for the actors as to uh, where the tower was, where the building they might be standing next to was. And then I would go to campus after the fact with my iPhone and walk around campus fairly nonchalantly um, filming handheld shots of the background plates that would then then match nice. to the foregrounds I'd created. Nice. And so it took a lot of creativity on, on, on my part and the part of uh, my cinematographer, uh, Sarah Wilson, who's my wife, um, as well as my editor, Austin Reedy. Um, but then after we did the, that initial work of kind of putting all this stuff together in the edit, um, we handed it off to Craig Staggs and his team at Minnow Mountain, which are just like an incredible animation unit here in Austin. And they spent 18 months putting it all um, artistically together. Um, and, uh, yeah. and that was an incredible process to be a part of. You know, I was over their shoulders 
and looking at, 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 at clips every night um, as my Dropbox would fill up in five to, <laughs> five to 15 seconds of animation a day. Oh, my God. I know it's so tedious. It's so worth it. Uh, I don't know what it is about. There's something in the water in Austin because between you and Linklater, uh, you love Rotoscope, and I, I, I do too. I'm a big fan. I think Awaking Life is one of my all-time favorite movies. I think it works in, in, in the right, the, if it's handled correctly. I just think it's a, a wonderful way to approach, uh, you know, certain projects and the way they go about it. But it, uh, it it's wonderful. Uh, it, it works. And, I, I mean, that's the most important thing about it. It works in in, in, in this film. It just is a, it's a, I'll say entertaining. I mean that in sort of a <laughs> sort of qualified way, but it is. It moves the story along. It gets us involved in the action that is such an important part of of telling this story. Real quick, um, the, any pushback at all from the university uh, on the film? Anything that they have stepped forward to say? Are they embracing it, or are they are they giving you any you know sort of uh, pushback? From on the well, for the longest time, we didn't hear anything from them, and we didn't ask anything of them. You know, I'm definitely more of a fan of the, um, you know, uh, ask for forgiveness rather than permission yeah. kind of school of independent filmmaking. Um, but we weren't we weren't asking anything of them. You know, this is a public history, mm-hmm. and um, and we're not particularly critical of the university in any way. No. Um, and we're not um, digging into, you know, questions of what were the internal decisions made either before or after the shooting. It's not that kind of film. Right. So, um, but I do think the university throughout the production, you know, word got out around Austin that we were making this film. Um, you know, I did interview the former president of the university who also happened to be on campus that day um, and was a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I interviewed former um, professors and... Um, and we did a very public crowdfunding campaign. So people at the university were certainly aware of the film. I mean, my, my producing partner, Megan Gilbride, is a film professor at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. And the chair of the film department, uh, Paul Steckler, is a consulting producer on the film. So, uh, you know, we weren't hiding in the shadows, um, you know, waiting to pounce with a fully formed movie. Um, but we also weren't asking for anything. And, and so it was a hands-off relationship. Until um, the film started playing locally during South by Southwest and then in a few subsequent screenings um, that we had leading up to our theatrical release. And um, finally, uh, on August 1st uh, this year, was August 1st this year was the 50th anniversary of the shooting. We held a screening of Tower the, day, the night before that. And all of the witnesses and survivors uh, and heroes who were featured in the film came back to Austin. Many of them don't live here any longer. Um, but they all came back to show to, to go to the screening. Um, we showed in a huge theater at the Texas State History Museum, which is only a few hundred feet from the university itself, and it was on an IMAX screen, so you couldn't miss it. Um, and the president of the university attended that screening. Um, it was kind of the first explicit um, acknowledgement of the film to have you know, an official from the university, especially at that high level, come um, to a screening. And uh, he sat patiently during the Q&A while people in the audience complained about the university uh, and, their, and their, you know, quiet um, <laughs> approach through the years. Yeah. And afterwards he came over to me and he shook my hand 
and uh, and he wrote me a really beautiful handwritten letter the next day um, saying that he thought that the film would really do a service to the university community. And so I'm glad to know that he's personally embraced the film. My hope is that the film can be put to use um, on college campuses and high schools across the nation, um, and I would love for it to be a part of UT's orientation weekend um, for incoming freshmen yeah. um, in semesters to come. But we'll kind of have to we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens. You know, yeah. Texas is a big state, and the university is a huge university, and it's a statewide institution with all of the political and yeah. and bureaucratic ramifications therein. So. Um, yeah, well, I'm always reminded that I'm just an independent filmmaker in yeah. East Austin, and I just try and, you know, do what, my best. What an emotional night that must have been. What an I can't imagine the the emotion of the people who were were directly impacted by that event from from August first, nineteen sixty six. That were there. My God, what was that like? It was incredible. You know, you form these really strong bonds with these folks. Um, on an individual one-to-one basis. But the most incredible aspect of making the film is that a community was born. Um, yeah. You know, a community of, of people who, who were already a member of, of, of a community, you know, around the shooting because they were there, because they were shot at, because they were shot or wounded or rescued each other. But they hadn't had an opportunity to connect with each other over the years. They were, they were really kind of disparate stories and through the making of the film one of the things that that people kept saying to me is how much they wished they had known other people how much they wished they had had a chance to talk about it with people who were there and so we started connecting our subjects you know off camera in many instances and uh, and so a community was born and and they're all friends with each other now um and that community extends to include my crew the animation team um, the supporters of the film, we've had tremendous support locally. And so there are people who come to our screenings. We just had our premiere here in Austin. I was going to ask you about premiere. that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, just last night. And, you know, there are people in the room who are seeing it for their third or fourth times because they saw it at South by Southwest. They contributed to our Indiegogo. They share it on Facebook with their friends. They bring friends to come see it. Um, they were at the memorial screening, you know, July 31st, and now they're here to support us in theatrical. And, you know, that's so heartening. It's, it's impossible to kind of imagine that when you're starting out, when you're literally just like sitting in a library by yourself looking at microfiche, yeah. um, wow. you know, or when you're approaching um, producers in New York and L.A. and you're trying to tell them about your idea and they say to you, Who's going to care about this outside of Texas? Or how can you make uh, a cartoon out of such a serious subject? Yeah. And uh, and so these are the people that have have have, have joined us and, and in many ways have led us. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 the best. It's the best. I always say, and I mean it. Making Tower has been the greatest professional privilege of my life. Well, again, you know, you made a a great film, and on top of that, you've, you're literally allowing people to find that place in their life where they can begin to reconcile the randomness, the the horrific nature of what happened that day, uh, victims who of the shooting and people who were there, the the the, uh, the law enforcement people. There's some emotional. 
um, uh, testimonies in your film that are just, you know, they're, I mean, they're just beautiful in the sense of to see these people, as I said, come to terms with this. It's, it's a very powerful film, and uh, I, it's emotional just to think about some of these people and what they have been through, and now through your work, are, are begin, I hope, are beginning to sort of feel, feel like they weren't alone. That they had the oppor- now they have the opportunity to, to heal the, the wounds that occur- more than just the physical wounds that occurred that day. Amazing. Well, Thank you. yes, and I also again just in, in wrapping up, I just want to say this is an, uh, a film that, as we're just describing, it has all of the elements. It's beautifully told. It's just a, a wonderful film. Please go to uh, to the website towerdocumentary.com as well as you can go to the facebook the facebook.com tower documentary it is screening at, and it now you said in austin and i know it's going to be rolling out across the country and i'm certain that at some point not too distant future you'll be uh, on video on demand and the other platforms as well but go see it in the theater people it, it's it's a it's a kind of theater it's kind of theater experience you want on a big screen um it is uh and you will feel good when you walk out of there about the people who did the right thing on August 1st, 1966. And Keith, I want to thank you so much for the film and also for finding time to be here on film school today. Uh, thank you. Thank you. You know, and I appreciate you suggesting people see in theaters. We ask people to, to go bring a friend. Um, you know, if you're young, bring your mom and dad. If you're old, bring your kids yeah. um, or just bring a friend because it's the kind of film that we think, you'll want to talk about with somebody after you've seen it. Yeah. And, uh, and we hope you'll talk to us. We've got a hashtag called Tower Together, and we're asking people to, to talk about it online um, with that hashtag. Tower Together. That's right. You have a couple of hashtags. Do you want me to – there's also Tower – at Tower Film on, on uh, Twitter. Tower Together. And I don't know uh, – And yeah, so do that as well as go see this. Uh, and, um, again – uh, it's been an honor to have you on. I, I I imagine great things for for this film moving forward into the future as well as your own work. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime, Keith. Keith Maitland. Will do. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.